Most content doesn't get shares or links, let alone both shares and links. According to new research by BuzzSumo, there are actually five types of magical unicorn content that gets both shares and links that you're probably not doing enough of. Plus, in the heart of HubSpot land, I bring you a cheaper HubSpot alternative that you can use today. All that and a whole lot more in this Bostonian special episode of Inbound Buzz. Welcome to the Inbound Buzz podcast, your weekly jolt of all things digital and inbound marketing. Brought to you by redpandas.com.au. Now for your host and co-founder of Red Pandas, Moby Sadiq. Welcome to Inbound Buzz. I'm your host, Moby Sadiq. I hope you're very, very well wherever you're listening today. I'm super excited because I'm coming to you all the way from Boston for this episode. Because, of course, it's Inbound Week and the conference begins tomorrow on the 8th of November. If you've been living under a rock, Inbound, of course, is the biggest event in the world of inbound marketing. My personal favorite digital marketing conference And if you want to learn the very best in digital marketing, strategy, sales, as well as the latest and greatest in the world of Inbound and HubSpot, then this is the place to congregate. Inbound is organized by HubSpot, but surprisingly, most of the people to come to Inbound are not HubSpot customers and might not even be interested in the HubSpot suite. In fact, next year, I'm taking a bunch of people with me who aren't even HubSpot and HubSpot isn't right for them. And I just got back from visiting the HubSpot office this morning in Cambridge. Um, Yeah, you have the token foosball tables and hipster seats and, you know, cereal and beer on tap. But amazing to see what these guys are working on. Fantastic culture, fantastic mindset. You know, those ingredients can achieve great things. I got to see where one of the founders, Brian Halligan, sits and the CMO, Kip Bodner, where he sits. And if you want to know what their desks are like, then check out redpandas.com.au forward slash EP36. I've uh, embedded a tweet there. And in short, these guys are messy, but hey, maybe that's the way geniuses grow. I don't know. Now, surprisingly, the first thing I want to talk to you about today is not actually HubSpot. In fact, it's a you know alternative and maybe even a competitor of sorts. Now, I want to talk about doing inbound marketing without HubSpot. Of course, HubSpot, they've been huge in coining the term HubSpot, uh, in inbound marketing rather, and promoting the inbound marketing movement. And look, let's be honest here, the essence, you know, the elements that of inbound marketing that HubSpot talks about and espouses, they didn't invent those, right? The idea of using content and resources to own the buyer's journey, the idea of automating and personalizing your content depending on who your persona is and again, where they are in the buyer's journey, these these aren't things that HubSpot has invented, but where HubSpot has done a better job than anyone else, and credit where it's due, is codify best practice digital marketing and help develop a game plan for almost anyone. And I've seen this in my own eyes. I've I've actually trained people um, in a very short period. You know, within three to six months, becoming decent digital marketers. Now, HubSpot's tool set is the most user friendly one to use. I'm a huge fan, um, Red Panda's a huge fan, There's, it is our weapon of choice when it comes to digital marketing, we'll never go back. But it does start at 200 to $300 a month, and not everybody can afford it. And it might not even be the cost necessarily, not everyone may be ready for that commitment yet. 
So the feature tool I want to talk to you about today is Wishpond, which is a very solid HubSpot alternative. In their own words, Wishpond is a self-serve lead generation and marketing automation platform. We have an all-in-one suite that includes tools for pop-ups, landing pages, forms, social context, as well as workflows, email drip campaigns, and everything you know and love about marketing automation. So you've got to check these guys out, wishpond.com. Definitely check out the show links, or the show notes as well in case you're driving or running or whatever, and you check out the story for yourself. The marketing automation side looks pretty impressive, and it works similar to HubSpot. You can nurture leads with a series of personalized emails over time. You can base it on their unique activity. You can base it on their details, whether they're in a state or a gender or have a preference for a particular uh, product, which you might know because of a page they visited. Um, you can do cool things like lead score based on key actions as well. So, for example, say someone checks out your pricing page. You assign them a, you know, an arbitrary score of 50. If they do a couple of other things, such as visit a case study page, come back within a week, maybe do a few other things. Now they have a score of 100, for example, which then either automates an email to them, a sales email, or flags a note to your internal staff to give this hot lead a call before they friggin' grow, go cold. Because in sales, timing is everything. Whole bunch of other features I, I mentioned you know, before, you know, website pop-ups, forms, landing pages, and this is pretty cool, social media contests and promotions that's quite interesting and um, you know one thing I often judge a software on is its integration capability because no one wants you know 50 tools you know to do 50 different things with 50 50 different data silos so you know these guys are pretty good looks like the integration capability is growing Um, and the other cool thing it shows where when a company or a Martech invests in integration is they have a commitment you know, because integration isn't always easy, so they've got a commitment to their user base. Um, some of their decent integrations include things like Slack, uh, GoToWebinar, SurveyMonkey, MailChimp, Campaign Monitor, and it looks to be growing. And at this point, saying, "All right, man, what is the friggin' price?" Well, it starts from forty-five dollars, so you don't have an excuse anymore to get into this whole inbound marketing thing. Anyone can afford that forty-five dollars which features almost everything, but it is limited to one user and a thousand leads. But when you compare that to the entry level of HubSpot, which is two to $300, you get a hundred contacts, not a thousand. And um, yeah, of course you get you know un- unlimited users. The next level of Wishpond is actually only $78 and features everything the basic version of Wishpond does, but two and a half thousand leads. leads. 5,000 users, and A-B split testing. And A-B split testing in HubSpot only comes in at the enterprise level, I believe, which is like three grand. And if you can't afford HubSpot, that's a goer. That is my, will always be my recommendation. Love what these guys are doing. It just works. But you shouldn't be excluded from the move because it's almost like a chicken and egg scenario. What do you do? Do you wait till you grow to do inbound or do you do inbound to grow? You don't have that excuse anymore. Something like Wish, Wish Pond is there for you to start to check out and hey you might stick with it you might move to hubspot if you can make that call yourself so definitely check out the show notes uh, it's wishpond.com fairly easy to remember as well and yeah see if it's right for you now the second thing well you know it's kind of good segue actually because my featured podcast of this week 
is uh, One Last Tool by George B. Thomas. And that's where I actually heard about Wishpond. So if you are interested in Wishpond, George B. Thomas, the man, does an interview with, uh, I believe, the founder of Wishpond on episode two, I, I think. I'll link that in the show notes so you can find that. And yeah, amazing, amazing podcast. You know, good to see George B. Um, branching out on his own. And if you're listening, and I, I, I know and I hope you are, um, I holler at you, George. Hope, hopefully you're really, really well, and hopefully I bump into you at in, Inbound. Now, um, I did interview him back on episode 33, by the way, an amazing episode, and check that out if you want to hear more about this individual. All right. Speaking of Inbound guests, another amazing guest we had was Steve Rays, uh, Steve Rayson from BuzzSumo. He's the director of BuzzSumo, and we had him on episode 27. Now, he's always coming up with great content, this guy. Like, this guy is cool because he doesn't release content every week. You know, I, I kind of feel he releases something maybe once a month or maybe once every six weeks or maybe even eight weeks. But when he does, he, he makes good content. Like, he spends, he focuses more on quality and long form as opposed to short form quantity type content. And if you're resource, um, you know, constrained, like most people probably are, it's probably the way to go. Now, anyway, he's come up with this article and it talks about magical content that gets linked and shared. And it's based on a study BuzzFumo did with Majestic, which is an SEO tool company. And Steve talks about how content that is both shared and linked is rarer than a unicorn because, of course, content is usually shared. Content that is shared is shared for different reasons to content that is linked. Okay. In fact, according to another study BuzzFumo did, I spoke about this many, many episodes ago, they analyzed a million articles and they found there is zero, no correlation whatsoever of shares and links, implying people do link and share for different reasons. I'll link that in the show notes as well. And for instance, you know, it's great to get shares. Like if your post is a video or a quiz or something like that, you know, of that kind of engagement style, it is more likely to get shared than linked right? That's a given. But links are still, and will be for a very long time, a very strong signal to Google that your page or site is quality, right? The links are very, very important. That isn't going away anytime soon. The other thing too is with links, you know, if someone's linking to you, then there is more of a direct step to your website. So in turn, you'd hope, you know, hopefully more leads and traffic as well. So let's talk about this so-called unicorn content that gets linked and shared. And the great thing is, like everything you know, Steve does, it's research-backed, right? They've analyzed a lot of stuff to kind of get to this. Now, the post that I've linked to in the show notes, it goes on, in, it goes into a quite fair bit of detail. If you have time, check it out. But it is four thousand words, so if you don't have time to check it out, you can listen to my subjective thoughts on it here. A bit of a summary. Now, he talks about five types of content. I'll go through all these qu- uh, fairly quickly. The first one is authoritative posts that answer core questions, right? Authority posts that answer core questions. Now, this can be core questions or themes, you know, questions that are so obvious, no one actually has a great job at, has done a great job at answering them. You know, the article talks about examples such as what is SEO or what is content marketing, but you can apply this to any industry. What is Forex trading? Or, you know, what is foreign exchange trading? What is plastic surgery? What is marketing automation? You know, an example that I love that Buzz, uh, that Steve talks about is what is disruptive innovation? There are a few keys here, though. The first one is it has to be the best answer. If you do your research, and of course, do your research, don't try to pick 
even the second best answer. You know, if you try to aim for the first, you might get it. But if you pick for the second best, you're never going to get it. Either be the first or pick another question. Just pick another question. It might not be worth your effort. This is particularly important in an age of things like voice search or where you have, you know, results where only the first result has, you know, rich snippet data, right? The second key thing here is, and you can apply this probably for the other four types of content as well, is do your research. Do your keyword research. Uh, and either check out episode 9 of Inbound Buzz or simply visit the show notes of that episode, which are redpandas.com.au forward slash EP9. You don't even have to listen to the episode. There's a cheat sheet there of uh, two or three key tools that you should be using for your keyword research. So if you are, fantastic. Maybe check out that list to just refresh your own tool set. Now, the second type of content is strong opinion pieces. Here I'm talking about political or controversial pieces and these are also great types of content that get share and links now you might be one yeah nice one moby i sell paper cups right how do you make that controversial well if you have a strength particularly if it talks to something people care about you can make that work imagine a piece on for instance paper coffee cups kill more aquatic life than oil tanker spills now by the way don't don't quote me on that one i don't know if that's true but something like that and what I love about this research is the findings didn't just apply to politics or B2C, but the strength, the strength of this tactic rather applied equally to controversial or strong opinion posts in B2B industries. Also, a couple of keys here. The first is finding something in your industry that is an accepted norm and challenging it. Right? Also, don't get in too late. The article shares a political example. You know, Donald Trump is a unique threat to American democracy, which is quite timely because I'm in, you know, political campaign mayhem right now in the States. But anyway, that article is written in July. If you try to write something about, you know, he, Donald Trump being a threat to democracy or whatever it is now, it's too late in the piece. And it's nothing revolutionary. It's nothing someone, uh, it's nothing something that no one's already spoken about. Okay, the third type of content that gets shares and links is providing original research and insights. This, of course, depending on your business size and resource, may be trickier than the first two. Now, if if you're a fairly established business, you'll be sitting on more data than you actually know, your own customer data. Not everyone is from Pew Research, which is an example that the article cites, but if you have customer data, you can use that to your advantage. And it's totally fine, it's totally ethical, there's no legal issues around it, as long as, and of course, at the same time, you don't look like a douchebag, as long as you don't get personal. And look, an obvious one is don't name names, you know, which you're not going to do. If you are, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast. But targeting groups of people negatively, targeting certain segments or, you know, certain types of people if they live somewhere or a certain nationality or whatever, um, that might be one to avoid depending on your subject matter. I used to have a cosmetic surgeon client who had been in operations for, oh, I think over 30 years and they had tons of data on their customers like the number of nose jobs people got in a year, the number of eye lifts, the number of boob jobs, um, you know, when they were most popular and how that demand for procedures has changed over time. Something like that is prime gold. So your own data, as long as you don't apply a personal spin on it, will be fine. And that's what by, that sort of stuff, by the way, is fantastic for things like infographics, which in an age where content is getting longer and longer, people want to consume things faster and faster. 
The fourth type is leverage trending topics but provide original insights. Now this kind of overlaps with newsjacking. You know, right? The idea of newsjacking is something hits the news and we spoke to David Mim spot uh, David Mim and Scott a few episodes back as well. Wow, this episode's being a bit of a summary episode. But we spoke to him and the idea of newsjacking is, you know, as soon as news breaks, getting in there not in days, not in weeks, but by the minute, within the hour, within the first couple of hours, and releasing a piece of content. So when journalists are start, when they they start scouring the web for stuff, you come up there. Now it's kind of like that, but it's a little bit different. What this article talks about when it talks about leveraging uh, trending topics and providing original insights is if you want to attract shares and links, not just shares, which newsjacking is great for. Add value by providing insights and practical tips. Also, the idea here is you don't necessarily have to jump onto something that came out an hour ago. You take your time a little bit. You know, we're not talking, you know, weeks and days here, but it's ne- not. It's definitely not, you know, minutes and hours. A couple of keys here. Having a, a variation of this actually of this idea is providing an FAQ or resource to something that's happening in your industry. And I, I like this one because it's a fairly easy one. It's a fairly good one to, you know, hit the ground running. So, for example, a frequently asked questions post on all the latest ta- tax changes in this year's budget and how to take advantage. So, frequently asked questions, right? So, say that, you know, tax, the budget or whatever country you're in, the budget has been released. They've released, you know, tax changes and how to take advantage of that this year, for instance. Frequently asked questions, you know, pretty easy if it's your, if your, if it's your area. So it's kind of like type one, which was authoritative posts that answer key questions, but has a slight newsjacking spin to it. The fifth type and the final type is authoritative content on new products or developments. These can be trending topics too, and therefore overlap with type four, but they don't necessarily have to be trending. It might be something you, you want to bring to the market's attention. An example these guys give is the iPhone 7, right? So the iPhone 7 came out and, you know, try writing an article about the iPhone 7. Forget it, it's impossible. But the, the example that they gave was, you know, uh, someone released a piece of content. And, yeah, look, I'll be honest, it was a big media site. They released a content about the iPhone 7 dropping the headphone jack. That was an example. Now, when you think about this one, this one is a little bit harder because very few sites have the authority to create an article that becomes the definitive news story about a product development. Imagine trying to do that for the iPhone 7. It'd be, it'd be too hard, right? But it can be done. And the key is it can be done if it's done consistently, which in, t- which in turn then can be used as fuel for your email marketing fire. And over time, you can build a reputation for being known for releasing new you know, information on new products or developments in your industry. But I'm not going to lie. This could be trickier than the others that I've mentioned and it may not work in B2B industries. But that's fine. Between the five that I spoke of, the first one was authoritative posts that answer core questions, strong opinion pieces, providing original research, leveraging trending topics, and authoritative content on new, on new products and developments, there is bound to be one for you. I guarantee it. If there's not, hit me up on Twitter, and I will personally find one for you. <laughs> The final tip is, of course, don't forget to do your research in the ideation phase. Can't reiterate that enough. Of course, one of the reasons why BuzzSumo did the study was to show off their cool new feature in the BuzzSumo tool that actually, so they've always shown you, like you put in a piece of content, or sorry, you put in a theme, right? You might put in, you know, um, 
most shared content and it will show you articles that have been written on most shared content or you might put it on you know for instance luggage it will show you content on luggage or Donald Trump or whatever you want they've always shown you shares you know how many Facebook engagements how many LinkedIn shares Twitter shares Pinterest shares um, Google Plus shares but now they've released a new feature where they will even show you linking domains so here's a piece of content you look at two pieces of content all things equal which one actually got more linking domains, linking websites, and what were the total shares? So, of course, it's quite timely they did a post on this topic. Very, very cool topic. I um, definitely recommend you check out the article. But, yeah, so that might be for you. Check that out if you're interested. Look, I'll let you go now. That's all from me today. Wish me very well in election pandemonium tomorrow. Uh, by the time you listen to this, the result will probably be out and you know there'll be a new leader of the free world. I'll be at Inbound, so I definitely will be tuned out of that and tuned into all things Inbound. Gary Vaynerchuk is the opening keynote tomorrow. I'm super excited about that. So if you want to find out how Gary V talks to a bunch of Inbounders, don't forget to tune into another episode of Inbound Buzz. I'll be sure to share that. And I'm not going to promise anything, but I feel like there might be a few extra special Inbound Buzz podcasts on the way, particularly through Inbound, so definitely stay tuned. And of course, if you're at Inbound, I will catch up with you there. Thank you once again for listening. Catch me at Moby Sadiq on Twitter or Moby at redpandas.com.au. And I'll see you again for another episode of Inbound Buzz. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound, and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.